Today I want to look at here this idea of who's the greatest. And uh, I know that relates to nobody in here, but I'm just going to pretend like it does. Something, something in us, I believe, wants to be great. We want to be like top dog. We want to be Nehemiah. Right? We, you know, we, we're, we're, we're locked into this famous thing, you know. We want to be famous. We, we think we want to be famous anyways until you get to be famous. And then you go, wow, I wish I wasn't so famous. Because now I can't even go to the store. I can't even go to Newport without everybody, you know, looking at me. Right? Someone in the news recently in Newport. This idea of celebrity. But... Even as Christians, we kind of fall into that because it's part of, it's part of something in us, really. And, and, you know, it's this who's who in the church, who's, who's got the high place. And we can't deal with the fact that, it's not, that you're, not on the, you're not in the book of who's who, you're in the book of who's he, I heard someone say, say one time. We want to be liked and we want to be known. Now, I'm not talking about wanting to do and be our very best because that's being responsible, to do and be our very, very best. But it's this idea of selfish ambition and this jockeying for position where we want to be, we want to be the number one person. Warren Wiersbe says this pride and desire for worldly greatness. Jesus turns it all completely upside down, turns it on its head. Look at verse 1. It says, at that time the disciples, they came to Jesus and they asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The other gospels give us a, a little more picture of, of really kind of the whole thing of what was happening. Uh, turn with me to Mark chapter, um, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse 33. It says, they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. They kept quiet. You know, they, they were out there actually arguing. And these were the guys that Jesus chose. They're arguing about which one of us is the greatest. And, of course, Jesus confronts them about it. And at some point in time after that, I believe, he, you know, they had to ask him because they still wanted to know. Even though Jesus kind of rebukes them about it, in a sense, just by asking them, like, well, he didn't really even get to the point. He just says, what were you guys arguing about? And then maybe they think, well, he didn't really know what we were arguing about. So a little bit later they say, well, which one of us is the greatest? Barclay says that the very fact that they asked that question showed they had no idea at all what the kingdom of heaven was. And Peter, so think about Peter for a minute and us. Peter and us, you know, Peter says, well, you know, I, I did walk on water though I sunk. Well, I, I did go up the mountain with Jesus, though I really didn't understand what was going on when I got up there. said some pretty silly things. Oh, I did, pay, I did get my tax paid by a miracle. And, you know, you and I, maybe we don't say it, but, you know, we think it. We do. Satan's downfall. Think about that for a minute. In the book of Isaiah and... Also, in the book of Ezekiel, there's some passages there that, that uh, many believe are talking about the downfall of Satan 
in Isaiah 14, his, his, his whole attitude is, I will be great. And I will be like the Most High God. And then in, in Ezekiel, it says that, it says these words that your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. This idea of pride comes in. They're kind of, they're kind of mixed together. This desire for greatness and, and pride working together. Now, pride, you know, what's, uh, what's in the very middle of pride? Anybody know? I. And this is a fight that we all face. It's deeply ingrained. It's right in the middle of who we are, this I, you know, from a very early age. So we're going to talk about kids in a minute. But, but Uzziah, it says, King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26, he became powerful. After he became powerful, it says his pride led to his downfall. And he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. And he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. He thought he was better than he was. He thought he was bigger than he was. He took places that weren't his to take. Because of his pride, he began to read the press releases about him. Self, about himself, right? About him. Whatever. <laughs> and, and he began to believe those things. And we've heard people say that, and we say, well, you know, that'll never happen to me. Well, as soon as you start to think that, it already has happened to you. Oh, that would never happen to me. Well, there you go. It already did. Pride goes before what? Destruction. We always misquote that verse. I do, too. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Look it up if you don't believe me. You think of this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, right? King Nebuchadnezzar in, in Daniel, the book of Daniel. It's a fascinating chapter. You can read it. We don't have time to read it today, chapter 4. His pride was his downfall. He walked around and says, look, at what, look what I have done. Look at all this that I have done. And, you know, while the words were still in his mouth, he began to lose it, and he ended up out in the fields eating grass like an animal until it says that he finally, he, he, he looked up to heaven and he said, God, okay, it's all you. It's all you. And God restored him. God gave him back what he had had before. Peter, again, we're, we're looking in the Gospels here, and we see Peter so prevalent and, and, and doing so many different things. But Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He opposes us when we're proud, but he gives grace when we're humble. James, the brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus, he said, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. This idea of selfish ambition, of trying to rise and be this one, be the, the, the number one, is what was happening with these disciples. This is what they were fighting amongst them, themselves about. James comes along and he says, you know, you're, you're, you're following after the devil. This is, this is of the earth. This is of the flesh. This is not uh, the Spirit of God leading you in this direction. He says, and, and you'll find disorder in every evil practice. And, and, and when these kinds of things happen, this jockeying, this fighting, 
It, it, we, we start to, you know, fall apart amongst ourselves. But now, back to Matthew 18, the disciples, they've asked him. Now, they've asked the question. Again, did they give it a little bit of time? Maybe they gave it a little bit of time. We still got to know which one of us it is. And they're all waiting, you know, which one is he going to choose? Which one is he going to say, you are the man? What does he do? Look at verse 2. He called the little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change, he says. Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change. The King James says, unless you are converted. Unless you change your thinking, change your direction. Now, he bypassed, they were all waiting for one of them to be chosen. And he just bypassed them completely. And said, you know what? This is what I'm trying to tell you. Unless you change. There's a change that's got to take place in, in our thinking. A change in the direction of our lives. A change in, in, in where we're heading. He says, unless you change. He says, you're not even going to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, become like little children. Now, is he, is he asking us to become childish? No, there's a difference, right, between childish and childlike, right? There's a big difference. He's, you know, some of us are childish, I have to say. And sometimes I'm childish. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So there's a sense where we, we're not talking about being childish, but we're being childlike. We're called to be childlike where we have this simple, childlike faith and humility and dependence and trust, unpretentiousness, this, this teachable heart, this expectant, expecting God to do something. It's a whole different attitude. It's a whole different way of being. It's a whole different life. But it's not natural. He says you need to change and be like that. Have you and I made that change? Have we turned? Or do we think we really have it together and we think that we should have probably been chosen to be that number one guy, number one girl? This one fellow wrote to the Kansas City Times. He said, most of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. He said, wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sandbox at nursery school. And he says, these are the things I learned. And I like what he says here. He says, share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Oh, that's a hard one. Now, there comes a time, I've noticed in kids, there comes a time when it, you know, they're willing to do it, but then they get to the age where they're not willing to do that anymore. You notice that, those of you who raise kids? 
Why is it so hard to say that word? It's hard to get it out. When you go out into the world, watch for traffic. Hold hands. I like that. Hold hands and stick together. Hold hands with your father. You know, when you, when you have your little children, you, you say, hold my hand. We're going out on the road. Why don't we hold God's hand? We're going out on the road. We need to hold his hand. He needs to, to be the one we're following. This guy wrote these words, and, and someone said he's captured part of what Jesus meant when he said, unless you become like little children, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what greatness is all about, that simple childlike faith, childlike humility. Many of you knew Arthur, Arthur Elliott. We, we, you know, we had his uh, funeral this week, and, uh, you know, there's something about Arthur. He, he just had a simple faith. You know, he did, it wasn't so complicated, and, and, and he just had this simple trust, and there was a simple joy in his life, in his heart. He just believed in the Savior. He trusted in the Savior, in Jesus the Savior. And it made a difference in his life. I'm not saying we shouldn't study, because I study all the time. You know, I'm not saying we shouldn't understand things, because we do and we need to. But, it, but, but just in, in how, we, how we live our lives, just a simple childlike trust in God. In the Savior. He says that, that, that with this attitude that these disciples had, who's the greatest? He says, you, you may not even get in. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven with that kind of attitude. How much of life is like attitude? What kind of attitude do we have? You know, we're climbing up that ladder, that corporate ladder they talk about and we're you know we're stepping on people's heads to get to the next level just see how high we can get well is that what 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 jesus is teaching his disciples it's completely different look at verse four says that therefore whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what? The way up is what? Down. The way up is down. Do we want to become great? Jesus says, become small. Peter, again, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. I think this is a verse we need to live by every single day. Humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Let him lift us up in due time. Let him do what he wants to do with our lives. But until we humble ourselves, again, uh, quoting what Peter said before, he said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do we want to be great, become small? I read this quote by Martin Luther. He said this, God creates out of nothing. Therefore, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. Until we humble ourselves, God really can't do anything with us because we think we can do it. 
We think we have it. We think we're smart. We think we're good looking. We think we're, you know, impressive. Oh, I could do better than that person. Some of you sitting there right now, I could speak better than that guy up there. Where, you know, where did he get his license from? Who thought that guy could do anything? I have no idea. But, but God is in charge, right? God is in charge. Humble ourselves under the, the mighty hand of God, and he will lift us up in due time, in his time. True greatness found in humility and humbling ourselves. Let's turn back to Mark chapter 9 again. Mark chapter 9. Mark's account, again, of what happened here with these people, these disciples who had been arguing and says they kept quiet. Verse 35, it says, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve, and he said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. We kind of joke about that, don't we, at the potlucks? Oh, you go first. I want to be last. That way I can be first. We joke about that. But the simple words of Jesus. That's why I'm just going slow here because I, you know, I, I, it's the simple word of God, the simple words of Jesus that are going to get into our lives and make a difference. He says, let's read it again. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. It doesn't get any simpler than that, to be a servant. Serve. You want to be the big shot? You want to be the head guy? You want to be all these different things? Just be a servant, he says. We used to sing that chorus a long, long, long time ago, you know. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Do you remember that? Some of you are singing it in your head right now. I can see kids song but we used to sing it in church let's go ahead and sing that no just kidding some of you don't know it be the servant of all just learn how to serve be willing to do the the smallest things i read a, a story about a a guy who went to a meeting with the senators uh you know in the capitol and and uh some kind of breakfast uh, deal that was going on there and and he noticed afterwards there was a senator and 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 uh he, you know, after it was all over, he went around picking up chairs and, and napkins that had fallen to the ground. He wasn't all consumed with himself. Well, I'm a senator. That's above me. I, I don't do those sort of things. I know I've heard it said by more than one person about Chuck Smith that, you know, uh, he would go around outside picking up cigarette butts because they needed to be picked up. He wasn't above that. Are we willing just to be a servant? Jesus said, you want to be great. Just serve. Just find something to do. Be, a, be like a very servant. Look at chapter 10 and verse 35. It says it again. And you know what happens? You know why he repeats things, right? No comment. This is an interesting account, though. 
Look at verse 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Now, these are the other two guys that went up, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. It says they came to Jesus. And another account also says that their mother was kind of involved in this too. You know, mom wants the best for, you know. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> he should have just like struck him dead right there. Like, you know. Do you have an attitude? Yes. Boom. Over with. But he says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, man, he's just got grace. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand, the other at your left in your glory. We want the the top spots, the best seats right there. James and John, everybody can look and see, whoa, look at them. You know, have you been to churches where they got the big giant chairs, you know, one on the right, one on the left, you know, big throne kind of things? How many of you have been to seen, seen those kind of things? We've got those on order. <laughs> and uh, if you would, you know, you can ask Jesus which, you know, if you can be one of those guys in the chairs or girls. You know, we're not going to discriminate. But verse 38, Jesus said, you don't know what you are asking. You don't have a clue. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can they answered. Again, they, they really didn't know what they're talking about. They had, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're thinking. You don't really understand about this. But Jesus said to them, he answered them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. He knew they were going to face persecution, suffering, He says, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. It's not for me to say the Father has prepared those places. In verse 41, when the ten, the other disciples, they heard about that, it says they became indignant with James and John. I think they became indignant because they thought, why didn't we go ask? We should have asked. And Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. You've got to be different, changed. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Why? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The example of Jesus. He said, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Take that lowest place. You know, again, we've been programmed and also we have it ingrained in us in our own very sin nature to want to be and, and what we think is the best and the top and the most important and the f- most famous and all, all the rest. But I think when God looks at things, he sees a very different picture. And I don't know about you, but I want to be great in his eyes, not in the world's eyes. Well, what, what, whose opinion is going to matter the most? Is it what 
you know, NBC thinks or what Jesus thinks, what the Father thinks. What, what's going what's gonna to be, you know, when, when it all is finished, you know, we, we're all going to stand before him. What, what are we going to say? You know, well, I had, you know, uh, my picture was on Time magazine five times. And he says, yeah, well, how come I don't recognize you then? You know? Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Didn't, you know, didn't you hear about all the stuff we did and how important we were? He says, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. It's, 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 do we know him or we humbled ourselves before his mighty hand? Not so with you, he said. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, you must, among you, must be your servant. Just being willing to be a servant, to pick up trash, to do whatever it takes, to do anything for the Savior. He's saying, that's going to make you great. That's going to make us great. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We just read that Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see that here now in Philippians chapter 2 as well, starting in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing that is going to make you rise up selfishly it doesn't mean you don't do anything it's he, he you know he always gets to the heart of why we do things if i'm just doing it to make myself look good make myself look better to make myself more important greater in everybody else's eyes he says but in humility consider others better than yourselves consider others better than yourselves each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Thinking about others. But here he, he confirms what we've already read. He says in verse 5, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a certain a servant. It says in verse 8 that he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Jesus, this example that he gives for us. One of the words there is, is uh, rightly translated, emptied himself. He, he emptied himself. But he was God. He, 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 didn't, he didn't like have to hold on to it. He was God the Son. He didn't have to grasp it. It was already his. He didn't have to worry about it. He, but he humbled himself and he became a servant. He became a servant. Gave his life as a ransom for many. Isaiah says these words. He says, this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. 
to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. Says he, he lives in a very high and holy place, but yet he also lives with those that humble themselves, not the proud. One more passage I want to look at. Let's turn to Psalm 131. Psalm 131. One of these short psalms. <clears throat> Psalm of David, but I think his I think he'd been through the mill. And I think he knew what he was talking about here. And, and, and I think we've got to be careful not to misunderstand what he's saying here in the verse, first verse. He says, my heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I don't think he's saying that in a proud sort of way. You know, or you can say that, well, you know, I'm so proud that I'm not proud. You know, but I don't think he's saying it like that. I think his heart is, you know, God, he's, he's humbling himself before God. He says, I do not concern myself uh, with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But, he says, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Simple little psalm, isn't it? But, but isn't, isn't that part of what we're looking at here, part of what Jesus is saying. He says, I've stilled and quieted my soul. My soul wants to be and wants to do and wants to be acknowledged, wants to rise up. But he says, I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. He says it in verse 3, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So how do we respond to all this? It's a good question, isn't it? You know, we hear God's Word and we study God's Word, but, but really, uh, and one of the things Larry Enderline was talking about a few weeks back is, is teaching children to respond to God's Word, right? But you, it's for adults too, not just for kids. Though I think to teach kids, you know, at a young age to learn how to respond to God's word, let's, let's teach, let's learn now while we're young. But us who are older, I think we, we maybe need to learn the lesson even more that God's word is for us to respond to. What do I do about that? How do I respond to it? Do I just say, oh, that's nice. Those are nice words. You know, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, render to God what belongs to God. Oh, those are, that's a great saying. I'll remember that when I write the check for my tax return. But do these words get inside of us and change us? Do they make us different? He says, unless you change, unless you think differently, unless you know, your thinking is, is transformed by the renewing of our minds, you know, are we just the same? We just come in here, hear some nice words, some nice songs, nice prayers, and then we just go out and we're just like, I'm going to get that spot. I'm going to be the CEO. I don't care what I got to do to get there. You know what? You might be the CEO, 
But I think there's two ways to get there. There's with God raising you up or you raising yourself up. But it's a house of cards when we raise, our, raise ourselves up. It, it's going to crash. It's going to crash and burn. We think we're pretty great. We do. Watch out. Watch out. Pride goes before. Very good. Very good. I like that. <laughs> I was trying to catch you on that. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Humble ourselves. Just humble ourselves before God every day. Bend the knee. Bend the knee because the way up is down. Right now. Right now, today. To get into the kingdom, there's no way to get into the kingdom of God except by bending our knee. Every knee shall bow, what? And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to do it now while we're in this life, in this body, on this earth. Bend the knee before him, before the Savior, because we're going to do it one way or another. Either here or there, we're going to do it. But if we do it now, we get to live in the kingdom of God forever and ever. If we do it then, we're excluded. We're out of the kingdom of God. He gives us that choice now. To get into the kingdom, we need to humble ourselves. Be like a child and say, Father, Abba, I turn to you. you. You gave me eternal life through your son, Jesus Christ. Through the fact that he came to this earth. He humbled himself. He, he became a ransom. He paid the price. He died upon the cross for my sin, for the sin of all the world, for anyone who would believe and receive him. We humble ourselves and we humbly say, I need you. That's, that's for, for you and I. We need to do that, every one of us. It's not done for us. It's not because our parents were believers. It's a choice each one of us makes. We need to make it our own. But secondly, to be great in God's kingdom, we need to humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. I read a passage in, in Hosea uh, a little while back, and it said, you know, that they, they became satisfied. God, God provided for them, and they, it says they became satisfied, and then they became proud, and then they forgot him. You know, things might be going too well for us. You know, when things are not going well, oh, man, we're on the carpet, Right? We're, we're in the closet. We're praying. We're saying, God, what did I do? God, what, what do I have to do? What can I do? But God, we need you to do something. And, but, but when things are going well and, and God's providing, we're, we're going like, oh, yeah, like Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, wow. I must be doing all right. And we find ourselves out in the field to be great in God's kingdom, humble ourselves, Humble ourselves before him.